I, I'm going to say it right now. You ride him. He's your number one. No, no more 1A, one sure. one 1B. He gets 60-40 until he's proven otherwise. What's up, and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. What's up, and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. It is episode number 23, the Corey Cross episode. Really? Corey Cross is who you're going to choose off this list? Yeah, that's the name that jumped out to me. I would go with Matt Hendricks, probably, or Dick Tarnstrom. Why do I feel like Matt Hendricks wore 16? I mean, he might have at one point, but according to what I'm looking at right now, he wore 23 from 2014 to 2017. Well, Sean, we have that information. Uh, we, were, <laughs> we were just looking at... Uh, um, no, he didn't wear 16. That's just... I'm thinking of Darcy Hordachuk. Um, we were looking and I saw Ryan Spooner. At what stage was the Ryan Spooner trade? Like, from the whole Eberly like, complete collapse well it was Everlay for strome then strome yes. for spooner oh my god yeah what did we end up getting out of that nothing i believe nothing because spooner just ended up leaving Ugh. so and he doesn't even play in the nhl anymore that was just uh it, just remember that all started from the chris pronger trade originally because <laughs> that's where we got that draft pick is when we traded him away man those steve dangle videos like i could sit and watch those for for days oh like, i love trade tree videos oh, they're amazing um yeah, welcome back. How's your weekend? Uh, it was another good weekend. Just like good weekend. Better weather, that's for sure. No kidding. Nice not to be like frozen in your house. Um, yeah, and a lot of hockey. We had four games to recap. Um, Edmonton finishes up a an Eastern swing with a two and two record. Uh, considering the teams, eh, I'll take it. If you told me at the beginning of this road trip that we would come away with two and two against the four teams that we played against, I'd be pretty content with that. That's fair. If it yeah. was a homestand, I think three and one would have been my preference, but I can't argue with two and two. Yeah, it uh, it didn't start out great because I know we uh, we recorded the night Washington was going on, and uh, I mean, really the story to that game, and we're gonna we're gonna get into it is the PK and the lack there of it. Yeah, essentially, if Edmonton had even a league average penalty kill, then they would have been fine, considering they had a twenty percent PK rate in that game. It brutal, brutal. You cannot give up four power play goals in a game. You can't give up that many goals. Period. Honestly. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll we'll dive in. We'll we'll cover the games and then uh, look at what's what's up and coming for uh, the orange and blue. But uh, starting in Washington, um, I know the last thing that I saw before I came down to record was the uh, the Sunny Milano thought he scored goal yeah the double but. crossbar hit that somehow bounced off the middle of the crossbar and the middle of the crossbar and out i still wild. my brain doesn't can't comprehend how that worked yeah that's like wild. i passed physics class in high school but <laughs> clearly i don't understand physics um yeah so i i already thought they're going uh to be down one nothing right off the hop but not the case it was just a couple minutes later dylan strom um a collapse by edmonton like it's just the same old story, though. Giving up the first goal on the road. Um, I mean, to be fair, 
that one like we're gonna talk more positively about fogel eventually but that one was a hundred percent on fogel yeah just completely having a brain fart moment and just shitting the bed i wonder if that was his watershed moment because i don't think he played a bad minute after that yeah i don't think so i think he really battened down the hatches and kind of figured out what he needed to do after that just kind of went into the locker room stared himself in the mirror and gave himself a pep talk after during the intermission maybe that was yeah that was as ugly of a turnover as you can have especially in your own end and um yeah anyways i digress um heading into the second like just a flurry of goals like uh starts right off the hop with dylan strum again so I don't know if you've noticed this this year, but I feel like when we get scored on by teams, we get scored on in bunches. Like, we've got to be leading the leagues in, like, hat-tricks against. Well, it's it's almost similar to Edmonton last year in the sense that when, say, for example, we score a goal, we usually get scored on in the next 30 seconds or something <laughs> like that. And it's just the team seems to get caught up in the moments of whether it's a goal against or a goal for, and they don't bring themselves back to the here and now. Right. And... I don't know, focus on the play at hand. Yep. Um, I wanted to touch on this McDavid goal because he scored one in uh, Washington and then one later in Carolina where he just absolutely walked everybody in the zone. Like, (laughs) I don't even know what to say about it. It's just like, it's classic McDavid at this point. And every time he does it, you're like, if he can do that, why does he do that every game? No kidding. Like, I, I don't know. He's got something different this year and it's scary to think that like he's getting better yeah he's only i would say he's at the probably the middle of his prime right now and he could still improve for the next three years before you potentially would see some sort of fall off not that i think his type of game would have a significant fall off but well um, yeah he's only going to get better and he's improving especially with his shooting and thinking of his counterpart in this game like looking at uh um ovechkin like how he seems to still be like at his A game at what 30, 38? He's getting up there. Oh yeah, and so, Ovechkin he can just shoot and score from anywhere. That's true. That's true. Um, so McDavid makes it, cuts the lead in half down to one, uh, and then you kind of see rapid fire there within a span of about two minutes, three goals, one from Kuznetsov, the answer from Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and then Alex Ovechkin on the power play, just the third of the game at that point, and you're halfway through. Well, and it's important to note, like, the Kuznetsov one was on a five-on-three. And mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, I might be misremembering this as one of the other games. But was that the one where Derek Ryan, like, accidentally batted the puck out of the air? And it went straight out of the, like, over the glass? Yeah, Kind I, of like I a so. more of a freak accident kind of moment than anything else? Yeah. So, like, it would have been nice to see them kill that off. But once again, it's a five-on-three. And these cross-seam passes on the power play seem to be killing Edmonton. I agree. It feels like there's a, a gaping hole there. Um, it I The only good thing out of that goal from Kuznetsov is it came on the back half of a five-on-three, so I think the penalty had just ended. Yeah, so, it was like immediately afterwards. I think he yeah. stepped on the ice and they immediately scored, so it went straight to back to even strength. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that Hyman, um, the Hyman and Nuge goal, essentially, when Nuge batted it out of the air. I've never seen Hyman try to skate so fast and see somebody move so slowly at the same time. <laughs> I was watching that, and like I know he's got lots of hustle, and he's a great player. But he probably to get to that puck, racing Ovi for it, he probably right. took like a thousand strides in like two seconds. <laughs> I don't know what was going on there, but he just couldn't seem to get any grip on the ice. But it worked out. He ended up getting to the puck before Ovi outworked him for it, and then threw the puck across and 
it's two feet off the ice and Nuge still finds a way to bat it out of the air. It's it's so funny because some players make uh make it look so effortless or effortless when they're skating, like I think a Kale McCarr. Hyman earns every single one of those strides. Oh yes. I was exhausted watching his legs move. I was laughing as he was skating up to the puck and then he won the puck and it went from laughing to excitement immediately, but it was just hilarious to watch. Uh too funny. So Ovechkin uh, adds to the lead. Again, like I had mentioned, the third power play goal of the game at that point, and uh, the Oilers kind of find themselves down. I think it was 4-1 at that, 4-1, 4-2 at that point heading into the third. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. Like, it, it just kind of felt like one of those games watching back. Like, you can kind of see it. Like, they're, they're making pushes, but I thought this was one of the, the better games that the Oilers have lost. I would it, say it's up there with like maybe the New Jersey game mm. as one of those games where you're like, yeah, they lost, but they still played pretty well. Yeah, it, it like you gotta wonder. You take away those those five penalties, and I'm not saying that they deserve to win the game at all, but you take away those those five penalties, what's the realistic score of it? Like, I mean, even taking away, they don't even need to take away the penalties. They just need to have, like I said, <laughs> like a semi competent power play. Like, let's just say they it was, they were two for five instead of four for five on the power play, Washington. Yeah. So that minuses two goals off there. We win four to three. And let's just say it's three three because we don't get that uh, goal with Rada Skinner was heading to the bench from Nuge to bring yeah. them in within one. Well, I I know I harp on the the kind of puck changes and uh, stuff like that, but the Oilers only gave up seven pucks in that game. Like that's that's a pretty good stat for Edmonton's yeah. know, stat line. But yeah, this uh, was one hundred percent just purely special teams again like yeah. a game they lost only because their special teams were terrible um and honestly part of the problem is edmonton is just taking disgustingly bad penalties whether yeah, they're just... offensive zone penalties they're cross-checking penalties they're high sticking penalties when they just don't have any stick discipline like i don't know what they need to do to figure it out but they just need to stop yeah <laughs> Yeah. It's like, I don't know if the refs are fucking them over. I'm not going to go that far because yeah, it happens to every team and it's kind of an up and down cycle throughout the season. But at this point, Edmonton has to at least feel that like the refs are looking for that shit on them. So they need to clean it up, especially the cross checks. To me, there's no excuse for the cross checking penalties. Yeah, I'd agree. Like I don't, Edmonton is missing a lack of, no, they have a lack of discipline. What they're lacking is discipline. It's just, yeah. Like you had mentioned, dumb, uh, dumb penalties. Um, and obviously, when you can't kill him off, like, uh, yeah. Anyways, Drysital, Kuznetsov with another uh, power play goal, and then uh, the Oilers make a, la- a, a late push in the game. Uh, I think Newt scored with 66 seconds left, something like that. Yeah, it was like I think it was 103 on the clock or something. I remember looking at the yeah. score when I was making my notes. It felt like like there was a generous amount of time, and I think they made a good push. Like a couple bounces here, maybe you tie the game. Uh, but ultimately, the Oilers lose uh, 5-4 to Washington. Um, if I was to be completely honest, looking at the two games, those back-to-backs, like this is the game that I felt you needed to win. Yeah, based off the teams that they were playing, like considering they had Tampa the next night, I was expecting them to beat Washington. They started their, I would say, their better goalie right now in Skinner. And to be fair, outside of maybe the Ovi goal and the Strom goal, like the first one that he scored, he like Skinner didn't have much of a chance on any of those goals. You would have liked to see him make one of those saves, but with all the power plays and stuff, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. Yeah, that was going to be my only thought. Is like 
Skinner played okay. I, I they didn't lose because of him. Well, he can't um, win us every game every night like he's going to be doing later this in this <laughs> recap. But yeah. like he put up, I think a pretty like mid performance, which is fine. You mm-hmm. should be able to put up a mid performance every now and then. Like Edmonton still scored four goals. Like they should be able to win those games, but unfortunately, it, they just didn't have it on defense tonight at all. It's funny at. Uh, uh... At one point, I think it's when we finished and I went upstairs and I flipped on the TV. It was before Washington scored that last goal, that Kuznetsov goal. Yeah. And I'm seeing them on the PK. Obviously, I didn't look at the time and I just saw that they're on the penalty kill. And they get caught up ice with like three guys up ice and he goes on a break. I'm like, why the fuck? Oh, yeah, there's a minute left. We need to tie this game. <laughs> Two well, minutes left. <laughs> I think that's part of how Edmonton kills penalties too. Oh. Is it's the power kill. Like we've talked about before, yeah. and that's a pretty good segue into the Tampa yeah. Edmonton game because they come out, they're on the penalty kill early, create a turnover, and score a shorthanded goal. Yeah, Warren Fogle too. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, and you could see the energy in him when he scored that goal. Oh, that felt pumped. like a huge monkey off his back for sure. Yeah, it, it, uh, it, was, it was nice to see. I love him on the penalty kill. I think it's a good spot for him. Well, I know, I think it was Gregor harping about that in the offseason, that, like, Fogel needed a bigger role in the team and that he killed penalties in Carolina. And everybody was kind of, like, he was questioning, at least, why he's not killing penalties in Edmonton. He's playing in the bottom six. He wants more ice time. That's the best way to do it. Um, So it's nice to see him getting a chance, especially with some of the injuries on Edmonton. Mm -hmm. Um, Going forward, at least, he's going to have more and more time on that. My my thoughts around it, too, is I wonder if they're, like the cast and crew of the penalty kill is too big. I feel like it's getting to that point because I've seen like Kane and McDavid out there yeah. a few times. Um, I know Yamamoto and Nuge and Hyman and Drysaddle and Ryan and Shore, like they all <laughs> kill penalties. Yeah. Maybe they do need to narrow it down a little bit to maybe a group of four to six yeah. with your primary four who go back and forth unless somebody gets caught on a shift for too long and is too tired to go out and then you switch to that third group Yeah, instead it, of the seemingly endless amount of players they throw out there. Yeah, it's like a swinging door. Like I I don't know. I, I think you just need to build some chemistry with some guys, and I, I don't know. Well, they try to do the pairings like McDavid and Kane, for example, when yeah. they're out there. And then I think Nugent Hyman are a general grouping that they try to do. And then I guess, oh, and McLeod. McLeod and Hyman, I've seen. Like McLeod and Yamamoto, I think, are usually another combo. Those are like the main ones. And then I guess Shore and Ryan. Yeah. But, yeah, they need to do something. I don't know what it is, but. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So a good start to Tampa. That was a great segue. (laughs) Uh, And then Hagel with the, uh, the goal to tie things up. Kind of two minutes later, so I knew it was going to be a dogfight this game. Um, little did I know how much of a push Edmonton would have, uh, but let, let's get into it because we need to talk about it. Let's talk about the Kane injury because I, I can't watch it. I've watched it probably like 30 or 40 times. Holy shit. I don't have any problem with it. I'm really? Not, like squeamish or anything like that. Oh. Like I, re- I watched it, and I know for like I immediately went and like Google Clint Malarchuk to go watch that one again to see like you watched that shit. Oh yeah, because I wanted to see the comparison to, what? between the two. Oh my but. god! Like every single time, like I see that, or like as soon as like they said, like I saw him carrying his elbow, and I was watching this on the bike. Like as soon as they said, oh his wrist is cut, like my butthole puckers up. Like I cannot do it. Like ugh. 
Yeah, like I could say that with like without having been there in person or whatever, right. but it tends not to bother me too much. Yeah. But with that being said, like that was incredibly scary. Yeah. And like I was I was more concerned when they didn't immediately blow down the play that like something bad was going to happen because mm-hmm. they didn't like take that precautionary measure to like get everybody to stop what they're doing, make sure the trainers can get on the ice. But Kane had the wherewithal to immediately skate off and just fly down the tunnel. <laughs> like really like kudos to him for yeah. like being able to like notice the panic of the situation and have to like, I don't know, react instead of just yeah. laying there and bleeding out on the ice essentially. Right. No shit. So. Uh- immediately like i was at the gym watching the game and i was like i'm going home i can't watch this game i'm like shake i don't know why the hell i've got such a squeamish thing when a lot of people have that though i was talking to like uh one of my friends afterwards and he said he's watching it with his brother and his brother gets uh like fainty from oh my god yeah and he said like when the injury happened his brother sat down on the floor because he knew it was coming and just out (laughs) (laughs) that's too funny and it just made me laugh. And then I sent him, uh, like, the link to the video afterwards, and it has, like, a little preview picture. And it was a picture of, like, Kane holding his arm and, like, some blood on oh, the ice. Oh, my God. Apparently no. his brother saw that, too, and passed out again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, immediately after I, I saw it, uh, I texted uh, a buddy, a PT of mine. A buddy who is a PT, let's let's say it that way. Um, and he's he's seen some nasty, like, injuries on the ice. And I was like, just, is he going to be, he's like, oh, yeah, he's fine. I was like, how do like how do those people do that? I have no idea. Kudos I mean, to the first responders and the medical professionals because there's no yeah. fucking way. I I don't think there was immediate danger of him like dying, but I think the more concern was like nerve damage and yeah. that it will impact his career and he might never be able to play to the same level again, kind of thing. Well, and that was the the thing that ultimately I'm jumping ahead here, but ultimately that. I think he was grateful for is he's like, I'm clenching my fist as I'm like skating to the bench. So I knew I still had like, yeah, it's not like his fingers fingers. were just limp and he wasn't able to move his hand. So yeah, like I don't know the, obviously the actual damage that was done to Mm -hmm. him, but from the sounds of it, it seems as though he's going to be okay. I think like they've now put him on LTIR. They say three to four months for his recovery, which is still a very long time, but I think he's going to be back this year, and I don't think there's going to be any negative impact on his play outside of conditioning things because he hasn't played for three to four months. Right. It'll be interesting to see if Oilers go full Kucherov on this situation. Well, what is what is three to four months from now? That's only like February to March. It's yeah. not going to be the playoffs unless they find a way to push it. So it has a setback, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it could be something like that. And I don't know if we want to make an all-in push. That'd be the way to do it. Use Kane's money to get a Chitrin or something. I was like just going to say, <laughs> and go from there. But anyway, I think that's probably all we really have to say about the Kane injury. Like, well, what about the slew foot? Oh, the slew foot itself that led to the play. Yeah. Obviously, if they would have called it, yeah. it would have been fine. And there was a, there's been a couple plays like that. If they call the original hit, mm-hmm. then there wouldn't be a retaliation or this post-like scuffle that resulted in this in the first place. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But you gotta you have to be paying attention and like make sure you know what's going on. And I like there was an incident in I think it was the almost an incident in the what game was it? Uh, the Florida game mm. I watched. There was a replay on one of Sam Bennett's goals where he came like cutting across and beat Skinner by like reaching around him and going around him. But then his, when he tripped going across his skate went up 
and Kulak was right there, and his skate like slapped him across the face. Yeah, and his blade was right here. Oh, and I didn't notice that at the time, but then when I was watching the replay, like I just had flashes of because I was watching the Clint Malarchuk thing. That's all I could think about. Oh my god, oh my god. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> Heading into the second, the Oilers uh, like lit a fire to start it off. It, it was. I know you've uh, referred to it before, but there's some periods where they, you just know that the Oilers are going to dominate, and it started in the second. Yeah, I wonder what Woodcroft says to them in the in the room, or maybe if the players take it to themselves to say that, because there was a few rough starts in this road trip, and when they came out in the second, they kind of found their feet and figured it out. Yeah, granted two power play goals, but one from uh, McDavid, one from Dreisaitl, but uh, Edmonton kind of controlled the play of the second, and... Uh, um, yeah, for the most part, the rest of the game. Um, I know the Lightning had uh, some some pushes towards the end of the game. They're uh, they're they're a veteran team. Like they're they're how many years out from winning the Stanley Cup? Two after back to back Stanley Cup championships. Like it's still uh, it's still a really tough team, and uh, uh, I think Edmonton competed very well. Like it was a good test of their mettle. I think. Yeah, it, uh, it really was, and one of the most important things I want to note, because I just complained about it last game, is that they were perfect on the penalty kill. Yeah. So, first steps, baby. That's where you got to start. It was, yeah, it was such an amazing response from the last game. Um, the one thing that I have to fucking spend some time on, because it's driving me nuts, is there has to be some accountability for the refing that's going on in this game. Um, and I'm by game, I mean the entire NHL. I don't know... You, you never hear it because it's never publicized, but you never know if someone's being asked. But the fucking linesman crew in this game were horrific. Was this the game where they missed the icing on there the berry? There was two separate incidences. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Incidents? I can't use Incidents. Incidents. Um, yeah, the one where Tyson Berry, like, lost his footing, went feet first in the boards, and then it happened, like, in the next period. Yeah, giving us uh, shades of Taylor Fadoon on that one. Taylor Fadoon. terrifying to watch. Yeah, like, wasn't it Foster? Foster also had a broken leg, same play. Oh, I don't even know. I just yeah. remember the Taylor Fadoon one so it's clearly. Just, but, yeah. Yeah, that kind of shit's terrifying, and, like, that's literally the whole point of them calling it at the exactly. hash marks. And if you watch that replay, like, it might be close, but Barry's still ahead of him by, like, a foot. Yeah. And I'd say the tie goes to the defender on yeah. an icing play like that. So you blow that down every day. Yeah. Like, the amount of times I see an offensive player flying down the wing or whatever on an icing play, and it gets called, and they're mad. Like, so what? At least nobody broke a fucking leg. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the only thing I had from the, the Tampa game. I thought Edmonton played very sound. Yeah, honestly, it was... Overall, just a really good game from Edmonton. Realistically, they should have won by four to two because of that Hyman kicking goal. That like it was a kicking motion, oh, right, but I right, don't think right. he was actually trying to kick it. Yeah. So like it was not intentional kicking. <laughs> but I feel like as an Edmonton fan, we're not allowed to say anything about kick-ins because then Calgary Coleman. fans might kind of <laughs> burn our houses down if we try to say anything about that. But yeah. um, and then Ryan Murray also. Keeping that game and maintaining. Oh my the lead god! Yeah, by the knocking that puck off the line. Vesna winner. Yeah. Yeah. What? A, yeah. That was insane. I forgot about that entirely. And like once again, we talk shit about Campbell and the defense yeah. a lot, but they had a pretty solid game yeah. overall in this one. If you're able to keep the Tampa Bay Lightning down to two goals, it's hard to say anything bad about the defense on that. That's a 946 save percentage for them that game. Like that's a solid performance. 
Unfortunately, that would be the last time that we'll say that about Capital this week because uh, we'll get into it. Uh, moving on to the game we really don't want to talk about, the Carolina Hurricanes on Thursday. Listen, I only half kind of watched this game in oh. terms of when I was watching, and then I also didn't watch the third period because I had to leave and do something. Well, so this game had smells of... I, I don't know. You ever turn on a game and you watch, like, you can tell within the first five minutes whether or not, like, they're going to compete or... Like, I knew right off the hop that the Oilers, they just didn't have it. And I don't know how you quantify it. I, I just... That's why I really had no trouble with, like, not watching the third period, for example, because, like, I left at the end of the second, and that's right when Carolina had scored that fourth goal. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm fine with leaving. Like, I recorded it, and then I saw the score afterwards, and it's like, that's not worth watching the rest of that game, honestly. Yeah. So I didn't even bother. Um, So realistically, the only thing I have to say is, like, uh, Andrei Svechnikov is fucking terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. That's twice now, like, he's got Campbell looking at his glove, like, what the fuck? Yeah, and, like, Campbell needs to figure something out with that glove, because if that's happening twice, and it almost feels like, I don't want to say he is, but it feels like he's making an excuse when he looks at his glove to be like, oh, it's the glove's fault, that's why I didn't save it, and it's like, maybe you should do some, like, wrist exercises, (laughs) strengthen that wrist up a little bit, if, like, all these shots are making your wrist bend so far back that they're, like, the glove can't catch it properly. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, maybe he needs to switch to, like, a baseball glove for a little bit and just, uh... Something more (laughs) stiff or something like that, I don't know. (laughs) Just, I don't know if, like, his, his hand eyes off a little bit, uh, which is a scary thing to think that a goalie has off, but... I don't know. I don't know. You could be Darcy Kemper and only be able to see out of one eye and still win the Stanley <laughs> Cup. So I don't that's know if true. that's much of no an excuse. Excuses. Um, I had a couple things. The first one being like the Oilers. That is such a tough break, giving up uh, a goal with 20 seconds left in the period. Um, they came so close to scoring and then Svechnikov like beating uh, uh, Campbell with the well. It was going in anyways, and Tyson Berry, you know, dived to to break it. It was it was a goal, and I'm just I was okay with seeing the effort from from Barry there. Uh, the other thing uh, wanted to point out is Connor McDavid again. Like that was a disgusting goal that he scored in uh, um, the third period. Um, there was only one thing he was thinking during that moment, and that was I have to maintain my goal per game pace. <laughs> Let's pad the stats, baby. Um, a nifty little goal there from uh, uh, Jordan Martinuk. Uh, he, and he's falling down on the ice, propped the puck up, and batted it out of midair. Uh, that that was interesting. And then, uh, obviously, the most disgusting giveaway from Campbell. Like that's that's the only play I saw from the third period was that fuck. giveaway. That's shades of like Tommy Sallow at the Olympics in two thousand and two. Like just that kind of like what the fuck are we doing? We can um, just take solace in the fact that the game was already over. Yeah. And maybe Campbell knew it and just said, fuck it. Yeah. I think that's a it's a telling uh, point in time when you're down, you know, 6-2 to two at that point. You give up that and you just saw his reaction. Like, this is a broken man right now. I don't know what's going on with him. Like, yeah. I didn't expect him to be, like, a Vesna candidate for us. But I expected him to be better than he has been. Like, yeah. I'm, it's kind of embarrassing. I saw... Um, a stat on Twitter that said uh, that basically looked at Jack Campbell's record since January 1st and his career save per- well his save percentage since January 1st is like 846. Yeah, there's something going on there. So, 
I don't know. Like, I don't know if you heard Gretzky's interview on Saturday when they're talking to him and they're asking him about like what's going on. He's like, the one thing that people don't realize is when you do move to a new city, like you're getting adjusted to the people, the team, like um, the, the way the team plays. So it's, it's a lot. I'm just hoping it's an adjustment period because five years at what five, it's just five five million. I think. Yeah. Like that's a tough contract to, to deal with. I think he'll figure it out eventually. Yeah. And, bounce back and i don't know what his safe percentage is this season let's just say it's like an 890 or something like that or 880 yeah um but i think he'll bounce back to like a 9 to 905 somewhere in that range he'll have some good games throughout the year and be able to bounce back and ultimately this is just opening the door wider and wider and wider for skinner every day yeah that these games keep happening and to be fair, like I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about in this game, or we nope. can just segue Let's speaking to Skinner. Fucking move on, yeah. That's right into good, the Florida game. Just one note you're asking there. Uh, Campbell's like stats this season, 4.27 goals against average and an 8.73 save percentage. Yeah, I expect him to Woof. be closer to 9 on that save percentage and to be closer to, at this point, probably like 3.5 for that goals against average. Yeah. So I would. that's at least my expectation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then Campbell, hopefully he gets the time to figure it out, especially with maybe more of a homestand. We have a, a big break between games right now, for Mm -hmm. example, where we have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday off. Hopefully he can catch a breather and figure some things out. I, I, yeah, he's just one of those guys that you want to like, you want so badly to succeed. Like he, uh, anyways, let's move to Florida. (laughs) So Florida. This was quite possibly the worst 10 minutes of hockey by Edmonton I've ever seen in my life to start this game. <laughs> I came very close to being like, nah, fuck this. I was sitting there and like could not handle what was happening like mentally. I was like starting to check out a little bit because like I know Edmonton took a couple penalties early on. So let's just say that half of those shots were because of that. Um, but still, like, not getting a shot until, like, the 10-minute mark. Yeah. And I know the Nuge post was at, like, 11.30, but said before, post is not a shot. That's right. If it was a shot, it would have went in. That's so right. So just hit the net next time. <laughs> but, yeah, they need to figure out these slow starts. Like, yeah. I don't know what it is. Like, killing them. To be fair, it's your worst nightmare, like the old 2 p.m. matinee game. Um, and I definitely hit my mic stand there, so sorry if that made some noise. <laughs> but... Yeah, they need to wake up. They yeah. have a game at 11 a.m. in a couple weeks. They need to make sure they're awake for that shit. The only thing that I was, like, hoping going into this game is they're playing on the East Coast, so it's at least 4 o'clock. Like, you, you hope that the legs are uh, awake at that point. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. You can't go, you know, what was it at? Was it 10-0, 11-0 in shots? It was 11 got... to nothing before yeah. Edmonton got a shot. Like, it was it was a tough start. Um, but, uh, like, like you had mentioned... Uh, the only good thing is that they, they made it out with no goals against in the first period, which was just pff, shocker. Yeah, you can uh, thank Stu for that. Yeah, yeah. He made some, like, 10-bell saves that period, just absolutely stood on his head. The only reason this was a tie game outside of um, Spencer Knight making a huge save on Drysaddle on the other side. That was a ridiculous save. Like, like Drysaddle doesn't miss from there very often, and to be fair, he didn't. Knight was just there. Yeah. That was a hell of a save. Um, yeah, Stuart Skinner, uh, I'm going to say it right now. You ride him. He's your number one. No, no more 1A, sure. 1B. 
he gets 60-40 until he's proven otherwise. Yeah, I would say so. Like, for example, just looking at the schedule, we have a game Wednesday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. Like, I don't see why Skidder wouldn't start all of those games, Yeah, honestly, except for maybe one of them if you want to be generous to um, – oh, jeez, my brain. Campbell. Campbell. Yeah. Jeez, I just had a brain fart <laughs> moment. But – yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. But um, I have a question for you before we get into the rest of this game. Uh, With Kane out, yeah. and prior to this game, I also wanted to ask you, how did Yamamoto get hurt? I, I missed that too. I missed that. I don't really know what happened, but he's not playing in this game. But I believe he's supposed to be coming back from some of the reports I was reading. Mm. But anyways, the question was, with those guys out, who did you think on Edmonton was going to step up? Was it Clint going to be Costin, Fogel? baby. Clint Clint Costin. Costin. I fucking love that guy. I could see him slotting up on that top line with Connor McDavid. You want to go that far? Not right now, but I can <laughs> see him jumping up. But I, the one thing that I was actually really, uh, really happy with was uh, Warren Fogle's play. Like, I'm glad that in the blender that got, uh, you know, thrown together, uh, that Woodcroft gave him a shot on that second line. Like, well, I don't see why he wouldn't, because to be fair, like, I'll sit here and love Holloway all day, but he has not really been showing to, for some reason, he hasn't shown to be effective in that top six. Yeah. Maybe it's because of the quality of competition up there. He's just not ready for it. But whenever he's up there, he just seems to struggle. Yeah. Compared to when he's in the bottom six or even the fourth line playing with like those other guys, he just hasn't shined as much, Mm. I guess. Who is your, uh, who's your pick for that? Well, I could sure as shit say that it wasn't Tyson Berry. (laughs) <laughs> which is what I was trying to segue into. Yeah. Because Tyson Berry just popped off in this game. Yep. Yeah. He's been getting better and better, and I think he's low-key becoming Tyson Berry of old. And it's it's really nice to see. Um, did not have two bingos on on the day for him in my head heading no. into this. So it starts with the first goal where Barry just sent a blast from the point. Um, it was all from great pressure from the fourth line, just cycling it down low. And a screen from your new best friend, Clint Costin. <laughs> I love him, man. I think he's going to be a force for this team. Do you just like him because he's big? I, I think he's big. He's he's a power forward. We haven't had one of those in a while. That's true. We, we just have Kane, essentially. And, <laughs> and to be fair, Pugliarvi has been playing extremely physically he's, lately. Yeah, yeah. I have no complaints with uh, Pugliarvi's game right now. I know a lot of people are trying to attach his like goals and assist stats to his play, but I don't think it says all of the intangibles that he's providing for the team right now. Well, it's the same old, same old with Fuliarvi. Is like his intangibles are great, his number, his like advanced stats are great. But with that being said, if you are playing with McDavid, you have to also be putting up some numbers. Oh yeah, no, I'm not gonna not gonna disagree there. And that turnovers like well i'm assuming that's the only reason why you're talking about putting clem Costin up there potentially yes. is because you haven't been impressed with the offensive side of pull your game yeah uh, yeah yeah um but yeah I, I think you're right tyson berry just played an unreal unreal game um sam bennett scoring in the third period like do all of the x flames just love to light us well i guess not because kachuk didn't score but i just feel like every time we play Sam Bennett, like, he'll get one or two on us. Yeah, Sam Bennett just, for some reason, he really likes playing against the the Oilers. It's like the, the Svechnikov syndrome. Yeah. You just, you just love to do it. 
But yeah, he he play, had a good game for Florida. To be fair, I thought he was very um, noticeable out there. Yeah, um, <laughs> Tyson Berry gets the uh, the two one goal. I, I maybe the funniest segue. It reminded me of the uh, um, that baseball announcer that was like saying sorry, and then oh, that's a deep drive to left field. <laughs> Like when they're telling the story on Sportsnet of that couple that was getting engaged, yeah, <laughs> like, like literally had to cut it in the middle yeah. of it to show Barry scoring. Oh, that was so funny. That but, threw me for a loop. I was just like, "We scored again. We scored." <laughs> but what a rocket, too! Like, you you don't see Tyson Barry wind up for many clappers. That was that was nice to see. He has a nice shot when they give him the chance to actually shoot. I feel like on the power play, for example, he feels the urge to always like give it to McDavid and Dreisaitl yeah. and not think too much about taking the shot. Meanwhile, like you put Bouchard on that first power play and he won't stop shooting the puck. <laughs> but um, it's nice to see him actually having the confidence to take the shot, knowing that he seems to at least be confident enough that he can beat the goalie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, followed up by another uh, goal from Warren Fogle. So that's, that's two in a span of as many games. Uh, well, no, it was two goals in three games, I guess. But still, it's nice to see him get rewarded again. Um, he's busting his ass. Like, he had a hell of a week, minus he's, the Washington game, I he's guess. He's playing great away from the puck, too. Like, yeah. in this instant, he created the turnover. The puck ended up on Dreisaitl's stick with the nifty little behind-the-back no-look pass right onto Fogel's tape, and he just rips it right by night. Knight had no clue what had just happened. <laughs> yep. It was... Uh, so that made it 3-1 at the time. Sam Bennett gets that late goal. I was strapped in there with like three minutes left in us. This is going to be the longest three minutes I've ever watched. Yeah. But I, I was very grateful that Ryan Nugent Hopkins made me relax a little bit. Yeah. Just quickly on that uh, second Florida goal. I just mm. wanted to mention because we were pumping Barry's tires, we should also say like in that moment it was a three on three and Bennett draw past it to the point to the third man back and both Pugliarvi and Barry like I watched it in synchronized in synchronized form. They both turned to the guy with the puck and let Sam Bennett just crash the net for free. Okay, I saw that and too. That yeah, was a I huge was miscommunication like... by both of them to know who was supposed to take the man. I think Pulyarvi had Bennett, and as the forward back, his mind was like, "Okay, well now I go to the guy who's at the point, the third man." Meanwhile, Barry was like, "Okay, this is my man with the puck." Right. So I'm assuming that's where the miscommunication came from, but you can't be doing that kind of stuff. Because that really hung out uh, Skinner to dry on that play. And almost ended up, like I said, with Kulak getting a skate to the face. <laughs> yes, we uh, dodged a bullet there. Um, that that wraps up the game uh, in Florida. Uh, again, shout out to Stuart Skinner. 42 shots uh, on goal and he stopped 40 of them. Like, that was a 10-bell game for him. Yeah, and he continues to put up these games where I think it's safe to say he stole the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And I think we've talked about this in the past, too, is when's the last time we had a goalie who can steal games? Well, Usually where it's like when Campbell's been in net or last season when Koskinen and Mike Smith were in the net. Generally speaking, we were always fighting in every single game and never had that comfort of knowing, like, our goalie's going to make that net next big save and not flub some random garbage shot. Yep. Yeah, it. Uh, that's a great point. It it's kind of reassuring. <laughs> we haven't felt that in a while. Um, yeah, moving on to some other news. We touched on Kane gone for three to four months, so it should be 
uh, intriguing just to see what uh, the Oilers do in that role. I know they've uh, bumped up Costin and uh, Yanmark. Um, Yanmark's looked pretty solid on that yeah. fourth line. Yeah, no um, complaints. It seems like he has decent chemistry, at least with Ryan. Um, so I'd like to see them keep working on that. But in terms of Kane's position, it's just going to be a rotating carousel of essentially the top six is going to be like McDavid, Drysaddle, Nuge Hyman, me, and everybody else is going to be rotating through there. <laughs> like Pugliarvi, Yamamoto, Fogel, Holloway. You might see, like you mentioned, Costin up there for whether it's a couple shifts or a couple games, who knows. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Devin Shore maybe slide in a couple times just because they're one of – not punish people for not playing well on those top lines, but give other people a chance to put some things up. It'll be like the classic Archibald on McDavid's wing moment. <laughs> the but, solution. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens. And maybe we look at making a move for a top nine forward because mm. with Kane out, it kind of leaves a big hole in our lineup. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be intriguing anyways. I, I almost wonder too if you use that cap room to... F- you know, solidify your D a little bit. Well, I, I would know. look at defense before I look at a yeah. forward, to be fair. Yeah. Because we need to clean that up. But, um, yeah, ultimately, I think it opens a few doors for people on the team to kind of prove and solidify their position on the roster and maybe opens the door for us bringing in some other players because now we have a little bit of cap space to work with. Definitely. Um, the the kind of fun news of the day, Devin Dubnik. <laughs> And and if you know, you know. <laughs> but he was on uh, the, I think it was the Gregor show, or it might have been the. It was the DFO rundown. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he was he was posed the question. They worded it. It was a little bit clickbaity the way they they worded it because the actual question that he was asked is who is the worst for zipping pucks by your ears. So um, that's what led him to calling Yakupov a complete idiot. <laughs> I mean. I'm not shocked. I was actually shocked about how like forward and quickly he responded, um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was very very interesting. But it's not, like there's nothing that pisses goalies off more than like fucking hearing pucks zip past their ear in practice. Well, the last thing they want is to get a puck to the mask and just yeah. rattle them during practice of all times. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's a a no no from freaking Adam Hockey. Uh, but yeah. Well, yeah, it was pretty funny because Dubnik essentially said that he would whiz it by his head and, like, always trying to snipe even when they're practicing, like, low shots and things like that. And uh, my favorite part was Gregor asked him, was like, did he ever get it through his head after you told <laughs> yes. him a few times? Like, please stop. Like, go to the other end of the rink and do it. And he's like, obviously not since he's nowhere to be found anymore. Yeah, that was such a harsh, <laughs> harsh shot. But uh, it, I love it when players can, like, go out and, like, completely sell out a, a former teammate and just be like honest about shit well like, once you're retired you don't really give a fuck yeah exactly and i exactly. don't think there's any like uh camaraderie or friendship between yakupov and probably <laughs> any of the oilers at this point. i was gonna say like the the stories about him are starting to pile up like between that and the the interview that he had with brian burke like it makes you wonder like if the oilers well, obviously, you're going to look back and know that they made the wrong choice. But Well, to be fair, their next closest choice was going to be Ryan Murray, and we have him now too, and we know that it's not really that much better Yeah. in yeah. terms of quality of player at least. <laughs> Maybe quality of person, he's a much better person. True, true. Um, 
The other thing, Oilers game on Wednesday. I'm excited. It's going to be the debut of the reverse retros. Ooh, we get the retros? On Wednesday. That's That'll exciting. Be nice. Who so, are we playing? The Kings? Uh, I was just trying to figure that out. I don't know why I was thinking it was an Eastern team. I believe it is the Kings. Yes, it is the Kings. Oh, okay. Does that mean the Kings are going to be wearing the purples? Ooh. I would hope for double reverse retros. That'd be exciting. Theirs is a dark jersey, though, isn't it? I don't think so. I think it's white, gold, and purple. Oh, but... then, yeah. Line it up. Yeah, some of them that's the case some of them like on ice have looked fantastic yeah but um all that, in all though it's a pretty slow week with that game against la on wednesday at 8 p.m and saturday against the kings at 8 p.m that game's gonna be fun sorry kings knights is what i meant to say oh I was kings like, knights. <laughs> it's very confusing yeah. with all this medieval shit <laughs> i don't know why everybody has to name themselves after medieval things no kidding I'm surprised we don't have like the monarchs or anything like that. But isn't that the Kings farm farm team? Uh probably something yeah, yeah. like that. I can't remember. Um, but just two games this week. Um, I'm thinking we'll probably what record on Sunday game on Monday against New Jersey at five. So oh, yeah, yeah. Probably do something like that, but we'll talk about that afterwards. But it's going to be a pretty slow week, and overall, I'm excited to have some time off. I was just of... going to say I'm looking forward to like just chilling out for a week. Yeah, like it's been this past little road trip here i think we've had like i don't know seven games in the past 13 days or something like that so mm-hmm. it adds up after a while like i love hockey don't get me wrong but when every other night i'm committing to like watching it i'm just like ah oh, fuck here we go again <laughs> and it just it it's, gets well i, I used to well yeah i used to um i, I would watch probably 85 percent of the games and but yeah. i I never felt as guilty as I do now if I can't watch one. Oh, if I don't watch a game now, I'm like, oh, fuck, what am I going to do for the podcast? (laughs) But, yeah, I think this part of the season, too, you talked about it before we started, that this is kind of the lull of the season Mm. where, like, teams are still trying to get the swing of things. The beginning of the season hype is kind of worn off, and we're already into that, like, let's see how things shake out for the next couple months to see where we're at in the standings. Where before there's like the feeling of playoff implications in games. Like, yeah. for example, on Wednesday, we're playing the Kings. Yeah. The Kings are ahead of us in the standings. It's going to be a very important game. Divisional opponents, the Kings, we're going to be fighting with them for a playoff spot. But at this point of the season, we just don't really care. Yeah. Like, I'm excited for the Vegas game because I'd like to see how Edmonton can play against Vegas because Vegas has been unreal this year. Shocker. Yeah, so, to me. I'm not shocked by it. Vegas has a really good team. I'm more shocked by their goalie being as good as he's That's been. what I, yeah. But, like, having Jack Eichel as your top-line center and guys like Mark Stone and things, like, I'm not surprised they're doing as well as they are. What Did you see his celebration when he scored in, in Buffalo? Oh, my God. I love that. That was oh my so God. funny. <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know, Jack Eichel traded from the Buffalo Sabres back in Buffalo for the first or second time. I can't remember. But he scores a hat trick and just riles up the fans, just taunting them after every goal. And just losing his fucking mind. Oh. I've never seen somebody celebrate so hard for an empty netter in my life. I know. Yeah. It was so good. Like, I sound like I'm so old saying this, but like, 10 years ago, you'd get your face bashed in for doing that. Oh, yeah. Like. If I was a Buffalo player, like, I might have wanted to jump him in that moment. Game's over. Like, it's scrapping time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I digress. I'm getting a little off track with that. Yeah. Uh, the other note you have here, McDavid and Dreisaitl, there's a signing going on? Yeah, they're doing autograph signings on Thursday at West Ed. Just the two of them? I, well, I'm sure there's maybe other people, oh. but my buddy just texted me today. He's like, he's like, you're going to the signing on Thursday? I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, McDavid, Dreisaitl, they're signing jerseys. What's your thoughts on that? 
Well, if I were to guess, there's probably limitations on what they'll sign. No, no, no. If that's like, what you mean. What's your thoughts on, like, I'm a little weirded out by going to get autographs from, like, people that are two years younger than me. I mean, when it comes to hockey players, I'm not opposed to it. No? But I would be a little bit weirded out. Like, I was, I think I was just looking at something the other day and saw somebody's age and, like, a hockey player, and they're 23, and I was like, fuck. I know. I was uh, like, this guy's making millions of dollars, and here I am. <laughs> maybe yeah i don't know um but yeah i guess if if you want to go get some autographs that'd be a good place to go do it if you got any kids who are interested yes i'm sure there's limitations on what they can sign but i'm not entirely sure i'll look it up right now (laughs) and we will find out because generally speaking i believe the players are like contractually obligated to not sign things like jerseys yeah it doesn't have to be licensed like yeah, NHL and products. if I'm not mistaken, the reason being that if they do that, it like lowers the value of all of their other signatures and stuff, and mm. they just don't want the market to be flooded. Um, let's see, there's a limit to one autograph per person, per player. Um, no photo opportunities. No and, photos. Well, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. If you're signing and taking photos on everything. Um I think there's actually several players who are going there. There is oh, it's Nurse Nuge, McDavid, and Drysaddle. Oh, cool! So the whole the whole thing. Yeah, that'll be good for oh, Jack uh, Campbell. Let's go get Jack Campbell's signature. Maybe oh we can God. bring up his uh, his spirits. Fuck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just <laughs> you can have a personal item or team issued card autographed by the Oilers players. So there you go. That's the catch. That makes sense. I. <sighs> I don't know. I feel for those guys having to sit there and I know like a bulk of them are going to get really good, like, uh, interactions with fans. I think it, this is more for like a kid's event. I have issues with like the, the autograph seekers to, you know, sell shit. Well, um, yeah. If you're one of those guys who's got a little book and he's like, I just want autographs in my little book. Then yeah. That's fine. But yeah. It's a guy, a guy who would like, obviously they have to have a limit per person per player. Cause I could see a guy coming with 10 McDavid jerseys. And he's like, can you sign these 10 jerseys for me? Right. <laughs> Take them out to uh, eBay seller. One, two, eight, two, six, four. Too funny. And just one last note on that is the first 400 fans in line for each person get a signature. So I'm only doing 400 per oh, okay. player. Okay. That's so fair. if you want McDavid and dry saddles, you're going to have to show up very early, probably to get their signature. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to enjoy my Thursday at home, but... <laughs> yeah, I don't really plan on going. Like, I don't have anything that probably needs signed at the moment. Yeah. But all in all, I think it'll pretty be pretty exciting. I know my friend suggested that we go set up a table next to their stand and try to sell merch to people online. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> so, if anybody's interested in that, let us know. Well, I think that pretty much does it. Uh, I'm going to enjoy this this little kind of break that we get here, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll chat in a week. Sounds good to me.